Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, all right, all right. Ladies of Tampa, ladies of Miami, ladies of the world, and you fellas too. We don't discriminate around here. Not at the HBO Max Movie Club with me, your host, Matthew Rogers, not McConaughey. To be honest, I think that was the longest I could have kept that impression up, and I am not, not proud of it. Um, I feel that it was a committed to impression. Was it good? No, but really you just got to have fun with it, okay? Context clues, as well as the description of this episode in your podcast feed right now, will tell you that today we are talking about Magic Mike, the horny little drama that solidified Channing Tatum as a movie star sex icon for all times, and even garnered Matthew McConaughey a little Oscar buzz for Best Supporting Actor when it was released. Buzz that I'm sure I will not accrue for my impression of him, but I digress. Magic Mike, directed by acclaimed filmmaker Steven Soderbergh, was released on June 29th, 2012 and was a major box office hit, soaring to a worldwide gross of over $167 million off a, get this, $7 million budget. That is massive. Massive enough to earn a sequel, Magic Mike XXL, released on July 1st, 2015, and the upcoming Magic Mike 3, titled Magic Mike's Last Dance, which will be released in theaters in February 2023. If you haven't danced with these men before, and by danced with these men, I mean let them pick your chair up with you in it so they can lay you down on the cold dance floor and pretend to hump your face while wearing a G-string in a way that you actually love and go blackout with joy while you endure it, here's a basic summary of the plot of the first Magic Mike. By day, Mike, played by Channing Tatum, makes ends meet any way he can. Handyman jobs, detailing cars, or designing furniture. But nighttime is when Mike really gets to display his many talents. He's the hot headliner in an all-male strip review. Mike sees potential in a 19-year-old that he dubs The Kid, played by Alex Pettifer, and he takes the teen under his wing and instructs him in the tricks of the trade. However, Mike learns there's a downside to the stripper lifestyle when it threatens his romance with the kid's sister, played by Cody Horn, as well as the health and safety of the kid himself. The film stars Channing Tatum as Michael Magic Mike Lane, Alex Pettifer as Adam, the kid, Cody Horn as Brooke, Olivia Munn as Joanna, Mike's on-again, off-again lover, Matthew McConaughey as Dallas, Joe Manganiello as Big Dick Richie, Matt Bomer as Ken, Adam Rodriguez as Tito, Kevin Nash as Tarzan, Gabriel Iglesias as Tobias, and Riley Keough as Nora. This movie went on to become a sort of cultural phenomenon. Magic Mike Live can now be seen in London and Vegas, and there's also a tour which is currently in Miami. The film is the top-grossing movie of all time in the dance genre and currently sits with an impressive 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus over at that site being the following. Magic Mike's sensitive direction, smart screenplay, and strong performances allow audiences to have their beefcake and eat it too. The film was also released squarely in the beginning of what is known as the McConaissance, when Matthew McConaughey began to be taken more seriously as an actor by Hollywood and at large. In fact, for this performance, he won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Actor. 
but obviously the best known and most identifiable element of Magic Mike is Channing Tatum himself, the film's star, who produced this and whose life was the basis for this screenplay by Reed Carolyn. Yes, if you didn't know, now you know. Channing Tatum did actually work as a roofer by day, stripper by night, just like his character Magic Mike. It was in Miami while doing this that he was scouted by a modeling agency, and the rest is history. I had to get one of my horniest and smartest and funniest friends for this one, so that's why I roped in the iconic and talented Mary Beth Barone from all the way across the pond in London to talk all things Magic Mike with me, so why don't we go ahead and chat with her right now. Okay, um, so horniest girls in the world only on this damn podcast episode. (laughs) Mary Beth Barone, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing so good. Better now. You know, the last time I saw you, you were on my TV screen over the summer because I was streaming a little movie called Fire Island. Oh, yes. Many have stumbled across that that little gem, and I appreciate you being one of them. It was so good. You were amazing, and I was just like... I miss those guys. Now, speaking of communities, um, in this film, Magic Mike, we visit a community mm-hmm. of male strippers who reside in uh, Miami. Yeah, you know, it was it felt good to be on American soil, <laughs> if only in my mind, <laughs> especially in Florida, which, you know, is no stranger to controversy, especially in these trying times. So yeah. I feel like what I like about this movie, it's, it's not trying to make Florida anything that it's not. Like, right. We are in Florida, and this is this is really Florida. It feels like a hefty slice of Florida. I will say the filter on it, that sort of like humid, hazy filter, makes you say that's a place I want to avoid. Also sort mm-hmm. of like the cast of characters, when they're not sort of greased up and humping the air in girls' faces. Um, sort of, yeah, people I want to avoid. Like just this general skis around the whole thing where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to live there. I would vacation there. And I have many times. Absolutely. And this is not to talk yeah. shit about Florida. There's so many lovely things. And it's especially not to talk shit about male entrepreneurs in Florida, which no. is what this movie's really about. It's about male friendship, which we don't see a lot of. And I think ultimately this movie was better than it needed to be. I think it was a lot better than people expected. And Channing Tatum has done that a few times in his career. 21 Drum Street comes to mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think like this movie, like like people talk about the reconnaissance, and this, I guess, was like mm. the beginning of the reconnaissance, but this was also a Channing Tatum renaissance. I feel like this is the movie that solidified him as like, we always knew he was like a hot actor we enjoyed seeing, but I feel like this made him like movie star, period, iconic, like, he will always be Magic Mike. Like, he became, like, his brand was able to, like, multiply. It's almost like, you know, I always, I, I call it, like, Jimmy Buffeting. When you become, like, a global brand, like, Channing Tatum oh, yeah. took one step closer to being Jimmy Buffett with this one. And that's not just because of the Florida of it all. No, it's it's certainly not. The Florida of it all was just sort of one aspect. And I think <laughs> another important thing that this movie does is that it it really shows the audience that Alex Pettifer and Aaron Taylor Johnson are not the same person. Exactly. They're actually different. Yeah, they're actually different. And that's important to say out loud because mm-hmm. we have to start saying it because God forbid these two men like were to be confused going forward. Alex Pettifer, of course, plays the kid in this movie. Our hero, you could say. Or very much the audience sort of surrogate, okay? He comes into the world and so do we. And when he flashes his butt in those disgusting little boxer briefs, whatever you call them, I think we all felt like we were exposing Mm -hmm. ourselves and dipping our toe into a new world. 
Absolutely. And an immersive world at that. <laughs> and I do have a question. I guess maybe maybe it's not good to try to box the gay community in, but... No, 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 please. What is the preferred underwear style in the gay community right now? So for me, I am a briefs person. And so I like, love that. I, I'm like a I'm like a classic underwear person. Like uh, like I feel it holds one together and aesthetically, like I do appreciate that. You can get the sense that this is again Florida by the style of underwear that Alex Pettifer wear, wears because it's 2012. Like I really feel like we're at least three or four years past like the boxer brief thing. But because yeah. it's Florida and we're a little delayed. I you get and also he is like tragically a straight person in the film. Unfortunately, yeah. He's sort of wearing those nasty little boxery briefs. But then Mary Beth, this there's this thing. Sometimes guys, like straight guys, like that are sort of just like, oh yeah, whatever. If they're wearing bad underwear, it adds to the appeal. Oh, a hundred percent. And this actually, this has scientists stumped. We don't yeah. know why. Yeah. We've we've observed it. And time and time again, it just it just serves it serves to be true. And I think this movie helps shine a light on that. Yeah. Which is really important. The aesthetic value of a certain type of underwear is just totally powerless when a person that looks like Alex Pettifer, who really gives and I say this with respect because it's a grounded performance, but gives yeah. almost nothing. Gives almost, almost nothing. nothing the entire time. But you are like fully, fully, fully horny for him the entire time. And you get it. You get why these like bachelorette types, these I almost said sweet 16. Like I don't think they were allowed in the in the in the club. But these in like Florida bachelor- though. Yes. In Florida. <laughs> I've been to Florida. Yeah. I've seen some things that are not age appropriate. Oh, 100%. For, for the time. Yeah. You get the sense that like someone's going to light off a firework in this club and then it's just going to be like a minor inconvenience. Like, oh, it must be Wednesday. Someone did something really wrong and stupid. Um, they just get a ladder and a, and a fire extinguisher and it's just like, it's like it never happened. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, speaking of Alex Pettifer, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where they're in the gym and Matthew McConaughey's like sort of walking around Alex Pettifer and he teaches him how to like wind his hips and then thrust and he gets behind him and like sort of like does it behind him. And that really worked for me, a gay man watching a film. Well, I think it's great about this movie as well is that they have one gay character, if I recall. Which one? There's the one gay stripper. Is there a gay right? stripper? Or am I just thinking of him? Is he gay in real Matt life? Matt Bomer is gay in real life, but he has a <laughs> wife in the movie. Okay, so, so this is actually a comment on his performance. <laughs> Sorry, Matt Bomer. Did we buy it? Did we buy it? I can't separate the art from the artist. No, no. And l- listen, like that's important nowadays. <laughs> I will say this. Like he he's in the movie and he has a wife. And there's that scene where Alex Pettifer, again, like our audience avatar, walks into the room and they're all doing drugs. And he's like, feel my wife's tits, feel my wife's tits. And part of me was like in my head being like, oh, it's okay because he's gay. <laughs> that makes it all right. It makes it, it's, it's it, we give it a pass because he's gay. Yeah, it's like when Neil Patrick Harris is like a misogynist on How I Met Your Mother. It's like, oh, Neil, mm-hmm. you don't mean this. We'll just sort of, oh, you. <laughs> oh, you. But actually, that's progressive. They had a gay man in a straight role, and that's something we need to see more of. We need to see more of. And another thing is, like, just talking about, so Matt Bomer actually has one of my favorite dances in the movie, which is the Ken doll dance. Remember mm-hmm. when he comes out as Plastic Ken? I thought that really worked for him. What was your favorite stripper number? You know, I'm I'm kind of a magic mic purist. Okay. So I think Pony Boy has yeah. to be. Yeah. And that and you know what? If that if that's ba- if that makes me basic, it doesn't. 
If that's wrong, then I don't want to be right. You know what I mean? Well, let's just talk about the word basic for a second. I mean, if it's basic to respond to, like, that stimuli, like, oh, yeah, like me, like a hapless, like, like woman watching this, like, of course I'm going to respond to this. And if that's basic, like, I'm sorry, but that just means it's working on a commercial mass level, okay? Yeah, and I've never claimed to be immune to things like that. So I would say it's got to be Ponyboy. And you know what? I think what's so interesting, this movie is just so evocative because you, I don't know, do you remember when the trailer came out? Like, I remember when the trailer, like, the trailer itself, I don't know. There's just like so many iconic moments throughout the movie. And I feel like it's just so cinematic. And mm-hmm. I hate to quote Harry Styles here, but it, it's like a movie. <laughs> it feels like a movie in a time when so many movies don't. Yeah, it feels like a movie. I believe the quote was that Harry Styles said was, it feels like a movie, like go to the theater movie, a movie movie, it, like a cinema movie, you go to the theater for a movie. It feels like but that. that. But in but you know exactly what he means. Exactly. And he he I love that he used so many words and sometimes the same word over and over again to describe it because sometimes you are so befuddled by the magic of cinema that you can only get so much out. But we knew we knew spiritually <laughs> what he meant. We, yeah. What he meant knew. was it's a movie like Magic Mike. Yeah. Exactly. I remember seeing the trailer and hearing that it was happening. And I I, I think that I thought, oh, this will be like softcore. I thought like, oh, mm-hmm. th- I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe Channing Tatum agreed to do this and look at this entire cast. But then it is like this like very Steven Soderbergh. Obviously, he directed it. But like he really brought his like – it almost feels like verite. It feels like fly on the wall. It feels like almost like mm-hmm. documentary style, like the way that it's all captured. And there's a lot of very long shots of like very grounded conversations. And I'm just like, you know, this movie, it really – sorry, it was art. It was our and and you know what? There are siblings in this movie. Go on. Which you don't think movie about male strippers, there's gonna be a sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. But it juxtaposes sort of the life of a stripper mm-hmm. on stage being, you know, almost looking like they're made of plastic. They're they have these personas that they wear when they're up there. And then we see them as humans as well. You know, they have dreams of opening a custom furniture business. They have dreams yeah. of opening their own stripping facility and they have sisters sometimes and the sisters sometimes then end up sleeping with their coworkers. It becomes, it's just, it's life. It's real. It's messy. Yeah. It's a tangled web that we weave. What did you think of his furniture? Were you interested in any of his pieces, maybe for your own home? What did you think about the way he sort of worked his magic? Sorry on these repurposed items to make them furniture. Will we see any in the Mary Beth Brown collection? You know what? I think there's definitely room for collab in the future. Yeah. I I just love when people who are writing movies are like, we need to give this straight man a passion. <laughs> and it, it needs to be a passion that could also kind of be translated into commerce. And yeah. there's only one thing, there's only one option, and that's, Custom furniture. Custom furniture. And, and it really harkens back to a movie I watched recently called What Happens in Vegas, mm-hmm. where Ashton Kutcher, not only a furniture maker, uh, but a nepotism child. Yeah. So he actually baby. got his job at the furniture company because of his dad. But it turns out he wants to make slightly more innovative furniture, not accepted by his father. It, it's just, you're seeing a lot of furniture making happening in these cinematic universes. Yeah. Let's not forget Adam from Girls, you know? So it's oh, like, yeah. how do we give a straight man depth while he works with wood? 
period. No follow-up questions. Yeah, he's not just a fuckboy. He's good with his hands in other ways. So if you thought he could handle a young woman in the sack, wait till he gets a plank of wood from that that sort of was driftwood from the beach. And you saw it as oh, driftwood, babe. and he saw it as a hassock, period. Period. And he's going to sand it. He's going to make it safe. He's yeah. going to make it childproof. But you know what? It's it's a way of the, for them to be artistic, and I think I think it's great that we've come to that in cinema, really. Yeah. I think there's, like, while there's so many great things about this film, it does fall short. It, it does earn an F-minus on the Bechdel test. I hate to break the news to this film. Uh, let's talk about the female characters in this movie. What did we think of Cody Horn, whose father, I found out, was once the chairman of Disney, if that colors in any lines for that us. That does answer a lot of <laughs> questions for me, actually. Thank you so much for clearing that up live on air. <laughs> I think that you know what grounded I have nothing I have grounded performance grounded, grounded performance. performance you know what you get the sense that because she is Alex Pettifer's sister they sort of both give nothing and so it's just a family thing because it's genetic yeah <laughs> genetically they give nothing and in that way it was great casting yeah um I, it was interesting though because like i watched it I, I watched the movie a couple times in my life and like i remember the first time being like who is this girl and then the, when i watched it the other day for this podcast episode i was like maybe the who is this girl of it all is actually good she's the every woman <laughs> yes i just think you know the movie's not it's not about girls no. it's just not and i think you know <laughs> if they had tried to shoehorn if they had tried to shoehorn a conversation between two women into this movie that wasn't about a guy, I would have been like, whoa, I'm suddenly I'm taken out of it. Yeah. Like, it just wouldn't have made sense. So I think some movies, and call me controversial, but don't need to pass the Bechdel test. Holy shit. Yeah, I went there. You know, Fire Island didn't pass the Bechdel test and we got dragged to hell. <laughs> I I, rem I saw that unfolding in front of my eyes and I thought, you know what? This <laughs> this person is way off base. I know. And way I should have I should have resp responded to that tweet at the time. But like, what about Magic Mike? Where were you then? Were you were you calling out those straight men for getting an F minus on the Bechdel test? Period. Probably not. Also, I want to point out, I mean, F minus isn't a grade. You fail, you fail. Yeah, exactly. You fail, you fail. You fail. You fail. So let's not be cute. And to piggyback off of that, let let's lest we forget Olivia Munn's performance. In the film. We and we uh, unforgettable. There's that uh, sort of iconic scene in the beginning where Channing Tatum gets up out of bed, and the camera just allows you to take in all of that man, and that really is the tableau. Just a gorgeous moment in cinema when Channing Tatum mm -hmm. gets up out of the bed, and you see him walk over to the bathroom so he can you know relieve himself, and it really is just such a long shot where the movie is just like, this essentially is the inciting incident of the movie. Like, you see how hot he is, and you see that there's going to be chaos surrounding him because you can't just be hot and like that and then, like, live a normal life. No, this is a not major character. Not in Florida. Certainly no, not in Florida. No, not in Florida. Mm -mm. Imagine, the thing is, though, like, you go to Florida sometimes, and it's like, you know, like a Florida 10 is like true like an, like an LA 7. So Channing Tatum is like a Florida 45. And Olivia Munn, might I yeah, add. Oh, I mean, I, mean, also I, I, and I hate to keep erasing Olivia Munn. <laughs> off the charts. I don't know. It seems like you're, it seems like you're kind, kind of trying to like 
remove her from the history books, but I won't let you, I won't let you do that because you know, she is I, utterly in this movie. She is utterly in this movie. She's really the second lead actress. I mean, period. Like she definitely gets across that like these are wayward souls. You know what I mean? Like she meets up with Channing to fuck. And mm-hmm. I think, like, her character does serve a purpose because at the end of the movie, like, when he goes to see her, like, she's at dinner with her fiancé and he's like, oh, wow, someone moving on with their life. This person that used to be, like, my fun friend. Now, where yep. where am I at? Do I have to take myself more seriously? Which, you know, a big question for someone like Mike. And for many people probably listening to this podcast. Absolutely. And that, I think, is what the movie's about. Yeah. Ultimately. I saw myself in the scene where he goes to get a loan from the bank and the girl sit at, at the bank is like so unable to contain herself when he first walks in with his little glasses and everything and his like like businessman drag. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was her. If anything, I feel like she should have just given him the loan. Like clearly this yeah. man has charisma. He's not just rolling in off the street. No. He's put thought into this. He can afford the suit or at least rented the runway on that one. So here's a question for you because I feel like I've seen you sort of approach some hot guys and sort of make things happen. Yeah. So if you see like if you see Channing Tatum like sort of at the bar at the event or whatever, like are you approaching him? Are you feeling intimidated? Not you. Is this Channing in the film or Channing in real life? Channing in this film, like, you know, like 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 if 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 Magic Mike is walking around, you're like, "Okay, let me engage." Oh, for sure. If I was in Miami with the girls and I see him at the bar, I don't yeah. care if he's going to swindle me out of money. Like, yeah. I'm going to say hi. I'm going to off. I'm going to ask what he's drinking, you know, and then see if we can see if we can build on that motion. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. And you know what? If he, if I was hitting on someone and they were like, "I'm a male stripper and I have a show and you should come," I would be like, "Absolutely." Yeah, one hundred percent. I that that this to me would only add to the appeal. If you say you're a male stripper. But the thing, too, is, like, once you, like, are engaging with a male stripper and then you see them perform and you see what they're able to do and what they can do, part of me would be like, okay, well, what am I going to do with all that? But then you think, well, they'll probably do most of the work. And that is a true vacation. Like, (laughs) I'm getting my money's worth for the flight and everything. Here's what I would like to know from the Florida male stripper community is does this – movie paint them in an accurate light like are there strippers that are really pulling moves like that on the reg i would wonder the same thing you know recently i had the opportunity to i was in vegas for my birthday and we were very nearly going to go see magic mike live and so Mm. i really could have immersed myself in this experience and seen that at least they were able to pull whatever they could pull in Vegas. So I couldn't I couldn't speak to Florida, but that night I ended up making the terrible decision of going to see RuPaul's Drag Race Vegas Live instead. Oh. Which was decidedly, I think, less horny and very long. That's the thing about those Vegas shows is they're long. What's the runtime? What what are we talking? We were there for almost two hours. Oh. Yeah. She's an event. Yeah. See, that's mm. well. One thing I will say that about London that you probably don't know is that they have the Magic Mike experience. Yes, I, I yeah. did know that. So or, have you been? Like, are you thinking about going? I haven't been, but I've been intrigued. And I, I one thing I also wanted to mention, this is very topical that we're doing this movie because I had a party here at my boyfriend's house. We had uh-huh. hosted a party a few weeks ago. We had this friend of ours named Isaac who is a dancer. And late into the evening, we're all in the living room and we'd had we'd been doing some dancing in, in the living room. 
He just puts on Pony Boy and I start to finish does the entire magic mic dance. Well? Well, let's just say everybody had sex that night. Wow. It was really impressive and it made me think, you know what? If this young hopeful can do it. Yeah. Maybe the guys at Magic Mike, the live experience can do it. Oh, maybe 100%. That's something worth pursuing. I mean, I think that you should take your, let's just say it, hot boyfriend to Magic Mike. Thank you. And then I think sort of what, what I would love to see happen is you sort of both get brought up on stage. That would be good for me. <laughs> that I I, I, I want to see you both get like humped in the face on stage. But can you take videos? Because like I if think. it's if if I can get content out of it, like yeah. <laughs> Anything for I'm the so gram. down. <laughs> if I can get content out of it. If I ever did go to a male strip review, <laughs> I'll be calling mm. it a review. And thank you for calling it that. I actually <laughs> think that's appropriate. If I ever were to go to the 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 saloon for a male strip review, I don't. I think I would get nervous about them picking me. You know what I mean? Like if, if they if they because I don't know there, there's a thing where like they take you and pick you up and throw you over their shoulders. What if they can't? <laughs> you know I think I mean? if they're putting you over their shoulder, they're confident in their ability. And honestly, I think if you sat in that audience and they wanted volunteers, your performer instinct would kick in. Yeah. And you would want to get up there because you don't want to sit in your seat watching somebody else get, get plowed. Yeah, no. That would be really, I think, revolutionary is is for, to go to the Florida, Miami Magic Mike and then like for them to pick a gay man from the audience and all the bachelorettes are like, oh, what the fuck? Like, and but then you'd feel very now exposed. that's something I hadn't considered. Yeah, that's something that, I hadn't considered. Then all of a sudden it could become militant and very angry. Yeah, you could get. You, you could get hate-crimed as a result. And this is where we arrive at the point in the episode where I say it's so hard still to this day to step out as a queer man. Oh, my God. And they're after us. I, and to step out as a queer man and step into Magic Mike, the live experience. It's interesting the choices people make when faced with Magic Mike or RuPaul. But I have, you know what? I can't say that I'd make a different decision so no judgment no you know what I, at least i knew that i'd be surrounded by queers and allies at the vegas rupaul's drag race show because let me tell you something about vegas and i'm sure you know this it is aggressively heterosexual it is one of the top heterosexual cities and communities in the entire world vegas is where straight people go to be extra straight yeah they go to be their truest selves i was shocked i went to vegas last year to a, probably a similarly level of a LGBTQ friendly as RuPaul, which was Shania Twain's residence. Oh, amazing. Ugh. Which was just filled to the brim of with, with the girls and the gays. And yeah. I felt very safe. But when you step outside those four walls, exactly, I have to say I was not ready for what Vegas had because I've seen Oceans 11, 12, 13, Oceans 8 even. Yeah. I'm thinking it's glamour. I'm thinking there's diamonds everywhere. It's like money sort of just just falling out of the sky. And then you get there and it's like, I don't know, everyone's drinking out of those like three foot long like plastic cups, like yeah. Slurpees. And it's just like every corner. I don't know. It was just like, I felt like I'd been lied to. Yeah, it's mostly sand, smoke, the loss of money and innocence, um, alcohol with a lot of sugar. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. And it, like they don't skip on the sugar. When the, so if you're going to Magic Mike in Vegas, like understand you're inhaling and imbibing a whole lot more than just hopefully crotch. 
of, yeah. you know, a, a chosen performer. You know what I mean? Well, and I do uh, something we haven't even we haven't even labeled is the fact that this movie has quite literally spawned franchises. Like Oh yeah. This movie is so much more than just a movie because you can see it live. No, it's a cultural phenomenon. Like no one no one can say it's not. I mean, this is when you say Magic Mike, you have a picture of exactly what this is. And it also like in my research on this, I found that it had a $7 million budget and made $167 mm-hmm. million worldwide. Like that is truly insane. And it is a worldwide brand. I mean, so, so there's that. It also has the sequels Magic Mike XXL and Magic Mike's Last Dance, which will come out in February and in theaters. I, okay. And I'm ready. And I'm ready too. The only thing people have to do now is just to do their homework and watch the first two. Exactly. What are you more excited about, Magic Mike's Last Dance or Wicked? Wow. Okay. Well, if this is truly a safe space, I will say I'm not really a musical theater gal. So take all the time you need to sort of sit with that. Okay. I'm understanding. I'm wrapping my head around it. Seeing Wicked in the theater with starring Ariana Grande and Jonathan Bailey, that will be the first time. That will be my first Wicked experience. So will it really? I'm very excited. I am very excited for that. I think it's going to be it's going to be a good introduction to the world. We don't want to get too in the weeds, especially when we have my major segment on this podcast that's coming up right now. This is called "But How Is It a Queer Narrative." So, Mary mm. Beth, every single film that I uh, sort of examine under a thick gay microscope here on HBO Max Movie Club, I have to ask the question, how is this a queer narrative? And when I come to the end of my findings, I list those elements that make it a queer narrative over a techno beat. Matt, would you please okay. do me the honors and hit my damn track? Ass, cock, Channing Tatum nude, thongs, balls, Matt Bomer nude, drugs, chaos, Matthew McConaughey nude, foursomes, screaming, men saying I love you to each other. Okay, and that is how this film is a queer narrative. Uh, Mary Beth, what did I miss? How is Magic Mike a queer narrative outside of those elements? So my friend Kira always says, having a best friend is the gayest thing you could ever do. 100%. And she is gay, so I she can speak on these things as well. She is a As seer. a bisexual, I can only sometimes speak on them. <laughs> yeah, but I think depends. that it depends. It really depends sort of what, what phase of life I'm in. But I think that this movie about friendship and adult male friendship, late yeah. in life, adult male friendship. Late in life. Is, it you know, 20-something. <laughs> Of course. What? He's 19? How old is Alex Pettifer in it? <laughs> I think he's supposed to be 19, and there's a world where we cross our eyes and say, yep, of course, Your Honor. So that's another way that this movie is gay, because yeah. <laughs> for some reason, having having 30-somethings play 19 is just inherently, I don't know. It's, it's just queer. It feels queer to me. Yeah, it's queer It feels very space. queer. Yeah. It feels queer. Also, in by opening franchises by having a live experience. Yes. I think that's helping queer spaces like London. It's helping queer spaces like Las Vegas. Yes. Although it is, you know, probably targeted mostly for horny straight women. Yeah. It's giving something to the gay community as well. I, I mean, here here we are talking about it. I mean, it, also exactly. immerse, immersion is queer. I feel to step into a space and be in it is very queer. And this, the, the, the thick atmosphere of Magic Mike immerses us, and that is queer. Absolutely. And also us spending this much time in Florida, even even 90 minutes or whatever, however long this is. 
I think it's long. I think it's like two hours. I think it's two hours. I think it's one of those movies where you look at the thing and you're like, it's two hours and 12 minutes. I'm looking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny is like nowadays, like whenever I see something is two hours, I really do have like, it triggers me. I'm like, okay, that's really long. Like now I prefer- That's two sittings. I prefer a solid 90 minute film. I don't think we need longer. Because my note for everything is cut 40 minutes. Cut for and cut twenty pages. Very much. Cut twenty pages from the script. It's an hour and fifty minutes. So this yeah. movie, by the skin of its teeth, falls into the under two hour category, and I think that's great. The third installment of any franchise has a big job. Yeah, you know, that is a big ask to be as good as its predecessors, if not better. Yeah, I hope this movie can deliver because if you ruin the legacy of Magic Mike in the third installment, it's going to make some fans pretty unhappy. And with that, Ellipses, I think that we have come to a close here on this episode of HBO Max Movie Club. We are looking forward to Magic Mike 3, a.k.a. Magic Mike's last dance. How will he dance for a final time? Will Pony be reprised? I mean, we can only hope. Mary Beth Barone from Ye Old Shores of England. Uh, thank you for, for joining <laughs> us as you cough the night away. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope that everyone enjoys this raspy little voice of mine. It's it's limited edition, so soak it up. <laughs> All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. Come back in two weeks for a Sandra Bullock-themed episode where we'll be talking all about miscongeniality with my friend Joel Kim Booster. So you're saying I have to wear the bathing suit? Yeah, you have to wear the bathing suit. Be sure to send in your hot takes on this movie and all things Sandra Bullock to at HBO Max Movies on Twitter and Instagram. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed HBO Max Movie Club, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. Thanks for joining the HBO Max Movie Club. The movies we talked about today are currently available on HBO Max. Check the show notes for exact streaming dates. HBO Max Movie Club is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Matt Rogers. Our executive producer is Matt Stillo. Our producer is Sierra Kaiser. And today's episode was written and researched by Kate Voss. Thanks, everybody. 